Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of Sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a sex and intimacy coach and a psychologist, and I've spent the last 30 plus years helping people to create hot and healthy sexual and intimate relationships. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Today, the letter is H, and H is for hunger. We will talk about hunger in all its forms, from hunger for deep feelings, intense experiences, and connected relationships to intense hunger for sexual satisfaction and connection. What kind of hungers do you experience, and how do you date your hungers? Don't forget, call in, or you can write in your questions. I'll be happy to answer them. Joining me to examine my hunger is my husband, Terrence Scott. Um, He quite graciously jumped in at the last minute because, unfortunately, my guest, Pamela Vanston, was unable to make the time change. And I'm going to apologize to all of you in advance. I've got a stinking cold, so I don't sound the same, and I may blow my nose every so often, and I'll try not to make it too loud. Welcome to the show, honey. Hi there. Hi there. Um, so this is really strange because I'm on location in Boston, Mass. at the moment, so there's quite the distance. Um, let's talk hunger. Let's do. So let's start with hunger for experience. Okay. Well, um, everybody does that. I mean, from, from, from babies to elderly people, we all hunger for some kind of experience for some kind of experience. I'm always, I'm always interested because you, you work with a lot of people, you meet a lot of people. Some people don't seem to experience that, that really intense desire. And I think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about desire, but I am a believer like you, that everybody experiences desire. It's just in finding the area that actually gets them excited. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think a lot of people tend to use passion instead of hunger because it sounds uh, nicer. It's not the same thing, though. It can be. So how so? Explain to me why you think it's the same thing. Okay. A person can have a hunger for knowledge. Uh-huh. And for some people, knowledge is their passion. Uh-huh. It's the same thing. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think I think um, I see hunger as having more of an edge to it, um, um, you know, kind of more of a pull. That passion is um, passion is the way that I act. But um, it's 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 the you know it's excitement that I feel. Whereas hunger is actually a, a, it, it's like a craving. It's an intensity. It's a pull. And that isn't passion. I don't see it that way. I mean, I just, I just, it doesn't have the same kind of craving. It doesn't have the same kind of, I guess it's an external, it's almost an external pull. I think it's easier to generate passion, right? You can self-generate passion about something, but generating hunger is much harder. Hunger usually comes from a stimulus outside of yourself. I think that hunger is more visceral. Yes. Absolutely. Passion is more cerebral. Perhaps. I mean, I know there are some people who really wouldn't agree with me on that because they tend to apply the word passion to like, you'll talk about passionate, passionate sex. Yes. But you wouldn't talk about hungry sex. Well, that's because the idea of hungry sex, I think scares people. But it, but there's hunger. Well, because when you think of hunger, you think of devouring. And right. for some people, that's going too far. So let's talk about that level of intensity, though. You know, what, what, why would that be going too far? And what would be the advantages of that kind of um, intensity? Well, it, it, a lot of that would depend on how you're raised, wouldn't it? Perhaps. I mean, for me, coming from the very strict Christian background that I came from, you were always cautioned to not go too far. That you you had to you had to stay within certain grounds because anything outside of that was considered wrong. Yeah, but that didn't stop you from hungering. Of course not. Right. So, but but 
you couldn't admit that it was hunger. Okay, but 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 if what you're saying is true for some people that they just can't go there, what do you think? What do you think is the difference? What do you think makes it something that some people respond to and feel they can't resist, and others just hunger is primal. Mm-hmm. Primal is animal. Animal is is what people try to pretend that they're not. Okay, fair enough. I, let's face it, from the time my parents gave me an encyclopedia, I realized that I was, as a human being, was an animal. And as an animal, I have pretty much all of the same drives that any other animal have, including hunger. The, that overwhelming want to have that goes beyond just passion. Okay. That's a great description, an overwhelming want to have. So how does that um, play into your sexual drives and your sexual life? Well, gee, let's see. Being a sadist, (laughs) I am hungry for the experience of others' pain. Right. I want it. Yeah. I don't just want to see it. I want to be in it. I want to be bathed in it. I want to be clothed in it. I want all of it. Now, some people listening would find that really frightening because um, they wouldn't be able to distinguish that from some of the kind of, you know, true crime stories that they end up seeing. The idea being that if you have that level of hunger that you couldn't possibly control it. Um. I have seen people devour a hamburger with that level of hungry, but I don't see them jumping over the counter to eat every hamburger in the place. That's a wonderful analogy. So it's, it's hunger. It's, it's a, I gotta have, it doesn't mean you, you gotta have it to the exclusion of everything else. It just means that that at the time is the overwhelming drive okay okay so what what distinguishes that i mean that that sounds very different than desire yes right desire um that wanting could be a mild wanting or it could be very intense but it sounds quite different from desire well this well for me at least you know desire Mm -hmm is a wanting of something. Yes. Mm -hmm. But it's more nuanced. Okay. I mean, certainly for me, I think hunger evokes this kind of intensity of pull that means that uh, my attention would be distracted. Yes. Um, I would find it difficult to think about anything else at the time that I'm experiencing it. All of it, my attention and everything would be focused into that hunger, that, that need. And I go further because I wouldn't say it's a want. To me, it, it's the things I hunger for tend to be needs, just like the fact that I hunger for food, right? Right. That's a need. I can, I can hunger for food that's inappropriate that I don't need, but as a rule, basically, that's a need. I need to eat. It's something I need to do. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that, yes. Rather than, rather than a want. It's, well, as I said, I as a sadist, I don't just want the experience of another's pain. I need that. Right. I, I need to see and feel it. Well, that, but that's part of your orientation. Yes. You know, I mean, it, it, would, it, be, it would be fair to say that um, gender is less important than power to you. Yeah, definitely so. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk more about that after the break. Um, I want to um, talk a little bit about where my support comes from for this show. So support for the A to Z of sex comes from Manscaped, who is the number one in men's below the belt grooming. Love Manscaped. 
<laughs> it's great stuff. Um, Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. So um, both my husband and my son have been using the products. My son um, has been using the electric trimmer and the deodorant. And what he said to me is no nicks, no cuts, and it shaves really smooth. And he loves the deodorant as well. Can you tell me a bit, since you're live and I don't have to repeat how you feel, what do you like about the product? Well, one, it's gorgeous. I mean, it, it looks great. It's a great look. It is, isn't it? I mean, they did a really good job with this. The, the clippers are, are really fine. And then they've got that, that handheld razor. Oh, my God. That's exquisite. And, and, and as far as the uses, the, the clipper is light. So it, it's not like using, using the clipper that you'd be using for the top of your head. There's, it's, it's light. So you, it's almost like using a paintbrush. Fabulous. Um, you can get 20% off free shipping with the code a2zsex at manscaped.com. So that's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code A2ZSEX, A-T-O-Z-S-E-X. Don't forget to use that code. That's the only way you get that 20% discount. It's well worth it. Absolutely. We'll be back in a couple of minutes after a word from more of our sponsors. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. What is your level of sexual expertise? Want to find something new? Listen for Sisters of Sexuality every week on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. There's no judgment here, and every topic is safe and sex positive, so we'll explore them together. It's time to push your sexual boundaries and try some new experiences with your hosts, Taylor Sparks and Parish Michelle Blair. You won't want to miss a single show every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your sex energy is your life energy. That's a central focus of The Conscious Living Show with Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce and her husband, Dr. Mark Pierce. The health of your sexual life is a barometer for your physical, mental, and intimate relationship health. If something is out of whack, by listening, you may be able to identify the problem and fix it. And it's not always about the sex. Tune in to The Conscious Living Show, broadcasting live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to segment two of the A to Z of sex. Today, H is for hunger, and I'm talking to my husband, Terrence Scott. So, um, before the break, we were talking about the fact that um, for you, really, sadism and dominance um are really your orientation and that um yes gender becomes irrelevant and um i think people have heard me say before that the same is true for me um only only the opposite so um submission um and the desire to give up control are 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 what really are my orientation and, and gender is really kind of irrelevant um attracted to people who have power 
So that's kind of, I guess for me, that was how I knew that was the level of hunger from that. Um, that for that that when I think about hunger, I think about that that feeling. That's what makes you feel alive. That intensity of feeling, um, and that you know that the level of intensity, the the larger the intensity, the more alive I feel. But it's kind of that that it grips your guts. It's very very visceral. Um, whereas, um, I guess desire is more, it can be that intense, but it can also be quite, um, subtle and it can also be something that I can dismiss. And that's one of the differences I think for me is that hunger is something that you, you, you can't dismiss. You might control it. You might push it down. You might push it aside for a while, but you can't dismiss it. Whereas, um, other other sort of expressions of want are easily dismissed. For me, at, at least, you know, from my point of view, like I said, to me, passion is more cerebral. Desire is more of the heart. It's what the heart wants. Okay. Hunger is the essence of your being. It's, it's, it's the core. When, when you're hungry, your whole body wants it. It's not just part of you. All of you wants it. So somebody listening who doesn't have that feeling or hasn't experienced that feeling, what, what would you say in terms of finding where their hungers are? Don't be afraid to look. Yeah, I think that's probably fair enough. Um, I know that there are a lot of people who are really afraid by any kind of intensity of feeling. Yes. And so the tendency is to dismiss those, anything that comes up that feels intense. Equally, there are people who guide, are guided by what feels intense. Yes. Right. So if something feels intense, they pursue it to find out why. Yes. Um, and don't and and don't want to hide from that. But there are a lot of people who who just cannot cope with anything that that remotely feels intense. They, I, I think it's the feeling that they are not capable of stopping themselves. Yeah, I mean, I have I have some theories about that in terms as as a psychologist. Um, and, and when you look at substance abuse and substance yeah. use, um, sometimes when people feel a deep hunger, it's along those same lines. So they have a fear that, that it will become uncontrollable yeah. um, and that it's something that will take over their lives. And then, you know, they'll be in quotes addicted because it, not necessarily depending on what it is, is whether that it's a real actual addiction, um, but that it'll be something that they abuse. So, um, I see this a lot when talking with people about sex, particularly with, with intense sexual desires. So people who um, have often um, interests in kink and BDSM, but sometimes um, uh, polyamory, sometimes um, just intense interests in sex be- become afraid at the level of intensity, thinking that, that, that it will take over their lives. And so when that happens, it's, it's really interesting for me to spend the time with people figuring out, well, what, what exactly is the fear? How will this exactly take over your life? And why do you feel you can't control this when you control all sorts of other urges that you have? Well, as, as you know from me, I take a lot of my cues from the animal kingdom. I, I really do. Animals feel hunger. But at the same time, you don't see lions going out and slaughtering everything. They eat until they're full, until the hunger is sated, and they stop. So no, no, knowing that if a lion can do that, I can do that. I can, I can pursue my hunger. I can satiate it. 
and I can stop. Because by stopping, I, I can now bask in the glow of the hunger because I didn't go too far. Kind of like somebody who's, who's overeaten. You can't enjoy the feeling because now you're too full. Right. Right. Well, that makes sense. I, I, one of the things I find interesting, there's this, I found this article while I was, um, when I decided I wanted to do this show. And I found this article, it was in The Independent as part of Indie Life. Um, independent for people in the U.S. that don't know is a U.K. magazine. This one was actually from 2009, but it was interesting. Uh, women with an appetite for risk may also be hungry for sex, um, a study suggested. Um, and basically, um, the scientists found that risk-taking women usually have, have unusually high testosterone levels. And so they tend to desire more sex, which is not surprising because testosterone is one of the things that drives sexual drive in women as well as in men. And um, I know I've talked about this on the show before, but a lot of people forget that women also have testosterone. That is, it is incredibly important to our makeup, even though we have significantly less testosterone than men, but that you will know what it does when it goes away. Yes. If you're female and you don't have enough testosterone, um, you will suddenly know all the things that it plays a part in. So for those of you who aren't aware, I will reiterate, it plays a part in our um, muscle building and our mus- uh, the, the, the um, quality of our musculature. It plays a part in our energy levels and it plays a big part in libido. So I found it interesting that the connection that they made was around risk-taking. That's how that was their way in. And so if, if, if they looked at women who, risked, who were risk-takers and measured their testosterone and found they had high testosterone levels, and then as a side, reported they were hungry for sex. So I find that an interesting finding. Sounds about right. But I have a suspicion. I have a suspicion that even women with average and normal testosterone levels who are risk takers tend to be more hungry for sex. Because I think that is the, it's a related feeling group. Yes. It it is hunger. You're, you're hunger, you're hungry for an experience. And if you can't get one experience, you're going to find, you're going to look for something else. You're going to look for something else to, to, how, how could I put this? You're, you're hungry for a T-bone steak. You really want a T-bone steak, but there isn't one, but there's hamburger. So are you going to sit there and go, I can't have the steak, or are you going to turn your attention to what you do have? So that's interesting. Go on. I mean, at least to me, it makes sense. If you can't, if you can't feed your beast one way, you're going to feed it the other way. And hey, sex is a nice, convenient way of feeding pretty much any beast. You reckon? Ah, uh, well, yeah, actually, I. I do. Perhaps for you, but I think a lot of people don't find sex easy and convenient. I mean, I, 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 in my experience, pe- a lot of people find sex as a, a more complicated, problematic issue rather than easy and convenient. Yeah, but when you think about it, it actually is convenient because you can have sex with yourself anywhere. True. True. So and so, okay. But then again, you can you can you can at least put it on hold. True, but you're you're coming from you're coming from a male point of view, so you're making an assumption. Um, And for some people, even solo sex is problematic. Okay, I will grant that. Yeah, for. But, but, but the point that I'm trying to make is that it's easy to do. 
True. We're about two minutes from break. Um, when we come back, we'll further this one. I want to talk a little bit about um, managing your hungers and discovering your hungers. And I'll give some tips about how you might go about finding out um, what the things are that might grab you the absolute most. Um, and what to do if you've got a hunger that actually is problematic and you want to just get a handle on it so it doesn't get you in difficulty. So we will be back in a couple of minutes after words from our sponsors. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you ready to live to 100? Join Dr. Joe Casciani and his program that shows us that age is just a number. You can age with fresh and inspiring perspectives, whether it's staying physically fit or keeping mentally fit. With great stories, plenty of advice about successful aging, and brighter outlooks, you just might join those who are living to 100. The Living to 100 Club is broadcast live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel have you had a chance to check out voice america's online magazine and blog if you love our hosts and shows check out articles that give an even deeper perspective plus topics about health and fitness movie reviews philosophy business tips and tactics spirituality positive thought current events and even more about your favorite hosts it's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com that's blog.voiceamerica.com the voice america press blog all access all the time opinions options answers you're listening to voice america health and wellness This is the A to Z of sex, featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails, too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to segment three of the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And today is H is for hunger. And I am talking with Terrence Scott. And we are before the break. I said that I was going to talk a little bit about managing hungers, um, tips for finding your hungers and now what to do when you feel that you're you can't really manage and you're worried about that getting you into trouble. So let's kind of talk about that one first. Um, I mean, I do have clients who come in who have, and I can think of a couple of specific ones who have come in saying their, their, their hunger for sex is so intense that it's most of what they think about. And um, they are concerned that that is going to cause them problems in their day-to-day life. Um, they worry about things like um, taking unnecessary risks So having unsafe sex, um, uh, pursuing activities that they haven't really well thought through. Um, Some of them are people who have had um, affairs because they felt unable to restrain themselves from acting on desire. That's a pretty intense level of hunger. Yes. Um, And so when I've dealt with situations like this, we've talked about like where that intense need is coming from. And what the substitutes are, because um, sometimes figuring out where the need's coming from is enough to make things damp down, and then you can make a rational decision around it. You don't want to wipe out all hunger. That would be kind of no. dull. 
to say the least. Uh, I, I, I like my edge. Thank you very much. Yeah. So you don't want to wipe that out entirely, but you do want it to be manageable. Um, it's all well and good to have your attention and your life taken over by um, that level of desire for a little while. But um, to have it be something that um, means that be the impetus for acting out is not great. Um, and, and the last thing you want to do is derail the whole of your life because of your hungers. Ideally, what you do is you integrate your hungers into your life so that there's no risk in derailing. Yes. And I do know some people who have done that as an adaptation. So, for example, uh, one person I can think of who really just um, wanted nothing more than um, to be living in BDSM all the time. And that's all that they would think about. And so um, this particular individual became a professional dominant so that that was really integrated into life then. Now that can have its other problems. Um, not the least of which is when you're doing something that you love that much for your work, sometimes um, it, the pleasure loses its appeal. It can. You know, so, but that was one way of managing an intense hunger, which was to basically integrate it so that the person could be completely congruent fully themselves and not have to worry about exposing that hunger in public and it getting them in trouble because it was part of their um, work milieu. It was part of the rest of their life. Everybody who knew them knew about it. So it wasn't, they didn't have to worry about being outed. Um, They were able to make good choices because they had integrated it. Now I know some people listening will probably say, what do you mean good choices? How could they have been making good choices? Well, this person was, had very good business sense and made very good choices. And yes, there are risks inherent in any kind of sex work, but the risks vary between the types of sex work. And this was somebody who was a very, you know, was a a dominant and he was very high end and um, the risks were much more limited than for example, some of the other types of sex work. And there was no, you know, it, it was all straight and above board. And um, there was no actual uh, sexual intercourse or any kind of physical sexual activity in that way. It was all channeled in to his dominance. And that the rest of it was saved for partners outside of work. But all his partners were also submissive. So it was completely integrated and that's how he managed his hunger. Um, not everybody can do that. Not well, anyway. Mm-hmm. I, at, le- at least from what I've seen, the biggest roadblock that I've seen to people managing it is shame. Yes. Yes. We are conditioned to to think of certain activities as not being normal or or not being moral and you know good people don't do that and to know that that's where your hunger is when you're when you're coming from that base what do you do you know you've been raised that that's not right but your hunger is saying yes it is what do you do you're you're fighting you're fighting against yourself because you know you want it. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, shame is one of the things that it's probably the single largest group of people that come to see me bring in a degree of shame, some amount of shame. And so shame is one of the things I spend most of my time dealing with as a clinician. And it is, um, it, what it does is it stops people from functioning. It stops people from feeling uh, comfortable with themselves. It stops people from having a good time. It stops people from pursuing things in all walks of life. It impacts self-esteem negatively. It impacts self-confidence. And so, um, I'm into a ticking time bomb. Yes. So, I mean, so shame is not, is, is not helpful in, in this arena um, and getting rid of shame is entirely possible, but it does take some work. Yeah. So I tend to work with people. We find out where the shame's coming from. We looked at, look at what, what is there really to be ashamed of? 
So sometimes that involves a degree of education because many people don't realize, for example, how many other people have the same desires and the same hungers that they do. They think they're the only one in the universe that has that particular kink or fetish or desire or want or need. You know, they're the only one. And they're tremendously embarrassed because normal people or good people don't have the whatever it is. You know, insert insert thing here from um, spanking to um, what your orientation to anything. Yeah, the standard, if you only knew what I was like, you wouldn't like me thing. Yes, absolutely. If you only knew what I was like, you just wouldn't want to be here. Um, and so sometimes one of the biggest things you can do is to actually help someone realize how common whatever their thing is, is in the general general population. Um, and people would be surprised. People would be surprised oh. at how common some of these things are. Um, so there are estimates from 23 to 38% of people enjoy spanking. Now, statistics and sex are always really difficult because people don't like to talk about sex. <laughs> uh, you know, again, because they're ashamed sometimes. Yeah. There's Even anonymously, when I do surveys and things, it's always hard to get enough people to, to tell you what they're thinking. Yeah, because somebody will know. Somebody will know. Um, or they're embarrassed, you know. And so, um, it so it it is hard. We don't we don't get to um, survey as many people as we'd like to be able to make pronouncements on statistics. But there's been quite a lot of research done on this over the years. And at the at the last figure I saw was twenty eight twenty five to thirty eight percent, and that's a fair chunk of the population. Yes. So feeling like you're the only one when you see that that many people. And sometimes that's all it takes to start taking the layers off the shame. Sometimes you have to really deconstruct it. You have to talk about background and upbringing. You have to talk about, you know, what kind of harm a person really thinks that they're, they're going to do, whatever the issue is. Um, sometimes you even need to do some family of origin work. But sometimes it's not that difficult. It's simply a matter of normalizing whatever it is. So people can get on and experiment and feel good. I spend a lot of time giving people permission to do things. Yeah, I see myself as a permission giver. It, there, there, there always is time to open the cage and let the beast go for a walk. <laughs> it, you, you got to. I mean, I, I'm not even going to say it's human nature. It's animal nature. People often just don't see it that way, though. Because they, like I said, they tend to forget that they are animals. Animals have passions and desires and hungers. And it's natural. It's natural to have a hunger. It's just how you're built. Uh, I, I get that. I totally understand that. People do find it really difficult despite that, to just, to be able to do anything yeah. when it comes to that. They just find it so, so difficult. I, I have always found it hilarious that I know people who are willing to free climb up the side of a mountain, but they don't want to talk about sex. Like, wait, so you're willing to risk your life on the strength of your fingers, but you're afraid to talk about sex and what you like. Yeah, absolutely. Always. So, um, and I, it's, it's actually quite, it's quite sad. Um, but it is certainly in Western society, very common. So, um, what the first thing that I recommend is that people do a little research to find out how common whatever their hunger is, is just look and see if you are truly alone. Yeah. I suspect you'll find you're not. I was lucky and I realized that I was not 
alone when I realized that there was this guy called Marquise de Sade who wrote a book. <laughs> Indeed. Um, that's a funny way to realize you weren't alone as far as I'm concerned because he was a rather interesting fellow. Yes, we're was. a couple of minutes from break. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk some more about shame and we're going to talk some more about where you can do some research on your hungers and how to do things safely. Yes, I am going to talk about safety again just for a little while. Um, again, if you've got any questions you want answered, please email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com or do phone in. I will answer the questions to the best of my ability. And um, if there are any shows that you would like to see in the future, please also send those in. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Perspectives with Dr. Badisha Patel is a program that explores emotional management for a healthier lifestyle. On each program, we discuss ideas that support emotional well-being, such as mental illness, relationships, parenting, and family connections, and much more. If you are facing challenges in your life, you can grow and learn by exploring new techniques in dealing with stress, anxiety, and relationships. Perspectives with Dr. Badisha Patel airs live Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America health and wellness your favorite voice america talk radio network shows and hosts are in your car outdoors and wherever you need them to be listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market this program contains explicit content and subject matter which may be unsuitable for some listeners discretion is advised This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the last segment of the A to Z of sex. This week, it's H's for hunger, and I'm talking with my husband, Terrence Scott. And before the break, we were talking shame, um, talking about how to uh, manage shame and um, how to combat shame. And so one of the things I was suggesting was that you have a look and see if you truly are alone in your desires. If you're having trouble finding out, um, you might go and speak to a coach. Um, Make sure it is a sex and intimacy coach. If it's a sexual thing that you're seeing or a sex therapist, you could speak with as well. If you're going to speak to somebody who works more generally, make sure that they are sex positive. Uh, The last thing someone needs when they're feeling shame is to have a professional shame them. And by the way, just on that point, If you go seek therapy, coaching, any of the personal development services um, and mental health services that you might choose to seek during your lifetime, no professional should ever shame you for your beliefs, your desires, your needs. Um, Shame should not be part of a professional's repertoire, period. So if you find that you are connected with a professional, and they come across highly judgmental and shaming, that is the time to leave and find somebody who's practicing appropriately. People who aren't sex positive still don't need to shame. They can simply tell somebody, this is not my area of expertise, and I'd like to to suggest that you seek help 
and either refer to someone directly or give you a general idea of where you go. That's professional and that's ethical and that's appropriate. Shaming a client is not. It's an aside, but I think a very important one. Many people don't know how to go about finding a therapist or a counselor or a coach. And um, they don't realize that they can interview the person. And I highly recommend that you do that, that you interview the person. If you're going to talk to someone about your intimate life, your feelings, your thoughts, you need to feel comfortable. And although you often won't feel comfortable on a first session because most people first coming into this kind of work feel uncomfortable because it's not a usual thing that you do, you need to at least think that you might be able to feel comfortable with a therapist. A therapist worth their salt will not be offended if you come back and say, I'm not, you know, I don't think you're the right person for me. It happens to all of us. We don't, you know, we don't connect with every person that we meet. Um, and so, you know, if that's the case, then professionals will be gracious and refer you. Okie doke. So one of the things that I had mentioned was talking about a hunger for connection as well. And that kind of goes in with where to look for these things and where to look for what you're doing. I think, um, I think hunger for connection is a big thing right now um, that um, people are more, there's two things. I was going to say people are more disconnected and they are from face-to-face interaction, but they have this feeling of connectedness because of the internet. And sometimes that's positive because that means that um, people who are isolated, um, either by virtue of where they, they live or are isolated from their community of choice because they're in an area where there aren't people of like mind, can, can actually connect with others who share their views and opinions and their desires and their needs um, via the internet. And that's great. But it is not the same thing as connecting face-to-face. No, it is not. Not at all. And, and sometimes people don't realize that. So it's important to remember that that's actually not a substitute for genuine human contact. And that we as human beings actually need that. Yeah. Interaction is not the same thing as contact. No. And, and, and that connection is really important. And physical connection is really important. Physical affection is really important. Human beings don't do well when they get no physical affection or connection. It's one of the things about how modern society has gone over the last 30 years that's been problematic. Um, people were much more free uh, with hugs and touches and things 30 years ago um, before all of the issues uh, around um, sexual assault and inappropriate behavior in workplaces. And um, the more that that has become a thing, the less comfortable people have become in casual touches. For those of us who live with someone um, and have regular physical affection, that's not as important. But for people who don't, for people who are on their own and not in relationship, that loss of casual physical touch is really, really problematic. That might be the only touch that they get. I think... A lot of the problem that people have with that is that they fail to realize that what they are hungry for is real interpersonal contact. They're they're so used to doing everything safe behind a computer that until they're in the situation where there is actual physical contact, they don't, they don't understand that that feeling that they're getting is that part of them wants to reach out and touch, be touched, talked to, have the stimuli of the person there in front of them. That, I think that's probably the hunger that goes unnoticed by most until, like I said, that's, I think that's the one that explodes more often than not. Yep. I agree. 
Um, and then I think also people, um, sometimes people, people get into relationships because um, of, of that intense desire for connection yes. um, more quickly and without as much thought um, because of that intense hunger for connection. It, it's like, okay, there's a person I can connect with. Boom. Yes. And they don't actually think things through. Whereas if they had, friendship groups and they had, you know, a, a lot more connection on the ground, day to day, face to face, there'd be a lot less of that. My God, time goes quickly. We are only a couple of few minutes from close, which is amazing to me. So I'm going to thank my husband for me tonight and jumping in at the breach because there's nothing worse than having to do a show by myself. So you thank you me. so much. I'll talk about almost anything. <laughs> I know. Um, and I want to again say that support for the A to Z of sex comes from Manscaped, who is the number one in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped Yay. offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. It is just so lovely for them um, to support us. And I want to remind you that you can get a 20% discount and free shipping by going to manscaped.com, that's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com, and using the code A2ZSEX, A-T-O-Z-SEX. Don't forget to use the code. You don't get the discount if you don't use the code. So thanks, everybody, for listening today. If you've got more questions. Good grooming is not always just a top-of-the-head thing. Indeed. Email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com. If you've got an idea for the show, send it in. Guess what? Next week, so get your ideas ready. Next week, the letter is I, and I is for inches. We're going to talk about whether size matters and where size matters. So we're going to be talking penis size. We're going to be talking vulva size, vagina size. We're going to be talking body size. Huh? All sizes. All sizes. So we'll be talking about body size too. Do you think size matters? What questions do you have about that? Send them in so we've got some that we can answer on the show. And I'm going to be joined by the wonderful Marla Stewart. We'll be talking everything to do with size on I is for inches. That's next Thursday, the 17th, 11 a.m. PST, 2 p.m. EST. And if you're in the UK, it's 7 p.m. I look forward to seeing y'all next week. Have a hot and healthy week.